0: You know, in Old Testament times, there was nothing more tragic than the destruction of Jerusalem. Historically, when you think about the destruction of the temple, it conjures up images of the Babylonians coming into Jerusalem and and taking away the treasuries of the temple, and, and the people wept. It conjures up images of, I think it was around... Um, AD, or around uh, 167 B.C., Antiochus Epiphanes gets so embarrassed in his battles against somebody in Egypt and he gets frustrated with the people of Israel that on his way back home, he goes into the temple and he makes it a temple. That, he goes to the temple in Jerusalem and he tries to turn it into the temple of Zeus. Now imagine that you are Titus. Imagine you are Antiochus Epiphanes. Imagine you are one of the Babylonians going into the temple and robbing it of its precious things. Can you imagine a more provocative way to stick your finger in God's eye and say, you're nothing to me. I don't care. About you. I have no respect for you. I am going to destroy your house, your place of worship, and I don't care what you think. Can you imagine having that kind of attitude toward God? It's it's attitudes like that. When people have attitudes like that, my Old Testament professor would say, you know, everybody should just stand back. As you wait for lightning to strike from heaven, because you know troubles coming their way. That's why that Jesus lives in you, in me, is the real. Not that God would show up once a year on the Day of Atonement in a hand in, in in a house built by hands. See, the Holy Creator cannot be contained by buildings. He does not live in man-made structures. The Almighty lives in you and me. He dwells in us individually, but first, ultimately, he dwells in us together. That's why Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 5, chapter 2: You yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a royal, a holy priesthood. To offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, we are not the metaphor. That was the metaphor. The Old Testament practices, the Old Testament temple was a metaphor for us today, for our reality. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Peter goes on to say a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of his darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All of those metaphors, they're not the reality. All of those are pictures of the greater reality of your relationship, our relationship together with God. We are God's temple. Means God dwells in us, his church, together. When we worship together, we are God's temple. When we serve together, we are God's temple. When we build a building like the end zone for the purpose of helping people experience God before they know it's God they're experiencing, we are God's temple. When we unite with other believers to start new churches, to make a difference in our, in our communities, To work together in things like Exponential DC. We are God's temple. In other words, we're not just a human organization. We aren't just a service group. Don't just make us, put us in the category of another charity. We are God's temple. Let me drill down just a little bit more. If you want to serve the poor with some charity, that's fine. But you are not serving as part of God's temple. When we serve in the church as part of the church, we are God's temple. That's why I'm so excited about Patrick for Community and what they do and helping homeless people and needy people. That's why I love what we do with um, helping the kids uh, who live next door to the end zone with kids Zone Camp all summer and, and feeding them and caring for them. When you care for the homeless and you're working for some some secular organization, that's fine. But when you serve with the church, we are God's temple. Don't just think of yourself individually out there as a little temple of God. Yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that. There's some truth to that, certainly. The Holy Spirit is within you. But when we serve together, we are God's temple. This is the point that... That Paul is making in 1 Corinthians 3, because the problem with, first, with the core of the church is division. I forgot to make that point earlier. Of, of the myriad problems that they have, the core one of 1 Corinthians is division. They think that, that they can do things divided. Oh, I'm I'm the church here. I'm the church here. I'm the church here. We, we don't have to be united. No. His whole point is when we are together serving, when we're together worshiping, We're together worshiping, uh, working. We are the church. When you donate to a good cause, that's respectable. You know, I know people that give to different organizations and charities and hospitals and all of that stuff, and that's fine. But that's not the church, that's not the temple. We are the temple. And Paul says we need to work together, to unite together as the temple. Actually, Paul says it in the negative. He says, Don't destroy the temple. How do we destroy the temple? Verse 16. Don't you yourselves know that you are the temple, God's temple, and that the Spirit of God lives within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And that is what you are. Can't escape the fact that Paul here is saying it in a positive, in a negative way. He's intending to say a positive thing in this negative way. He's saying, don't destroy the temple. Don't vandalize the temple. How do we vandalize the temple? By not treating it as holy. We honor the temple of God when we treat it as holy, because God is holy, as sacred, because God is sacred. When we desacralize the church, when we treat the church as something, as just a human organization, we vandalize the church. So he says, don't waste the church. Don't corrupt the church. Don't abuse the church. Don't destroy the church. How do we do that? One of the ways that we do that is anything that, that causes division does that. In the church in Corinth, they were vandalizing the temple by arguing and bickering and having a divisive spirit, a party spirit. Oh, one was saying, I'm of Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow, follow Paulus. Today, we vandalize the church when we have a consumer mentality. Are you the church? or is the church something that serves you are you something separate from the church sometimes I hear people say well I think the church should do this or why doesn't the church do this as though the church is something out there and not in them whenever you say why doesn't the church do or I think the church should the answer is yes go do it right it's like you are the church So we build up the church when we own the church. We vandalize the church when we treat it as something separate from us. See, there are two kinds of people that I've seen through the years. There are builders and there are users. Builders are people who say, I'm here to serve. I will serve and do what needs to be done to make a difference. I'm here to build the church. I used to call them pillar people in the church when New Life was getting started. I'd say, these are the people that you can build a church on. When people would come from other churches and they'd say, what kind of church is this? I I would say to them, to be honest with you, if you're looking for a church that has everything here to meet your needs and every program that you want to meet your needs and everything to satisfy you, this is probably not your church. However, this is a great church church That's building. And if you're looking for a church that you can be a part of building, if you want to be a part of a church where you can serve and make a difference, welcome aboard. See, the opposite of builders are users. They look for church, say, what's in it for me? Does it meet my needs? How will it benefit me? And they will stay as long as their needs are met. They're kind of like the guy that dates the girl until the more attractive girl shows up, and then the more attractive girl shows up, and then they'll take off after the more attractive girl. That says a whole lot more about the character of the boy than it does about the attractiveness of the girl, doesn't it? One of the things I've appreciated about my brother and sister-in-law is that in the early 1980s, they made a commitment to be builders of the church where they serve in Williamsville, New York. And through the years, they've stayed and served through thick and thin, through hard times and difficult times, even though there are other churches that are bigger, other churches that are doing more exciting stuff, other churches that people say wonderful things about, other churches that have more to offer. But my sister and brother in law are not users. They are builders. And they have said, we are here to serve. This is our family, and you just don't divorce your family. And God has used that in them, and God will be honored by that, is honored by that and with them. First Corinthians 3, 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? The Spirit of God lives within you. The, the plural he's using here, by the way, it's not singular. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. See, it doesn't work to your advantage to not build. It doesn't work to your advantage to be a user. God builds the builders. For God's temple is holy and that is what you are. One of the questions I've asked recently is why does the church in the United States lack power? What's going to need to happen so the church in the United States can have greater impact? Could it be the what we need is a recommitment to the holiness of God and the holiness of his church and our commitment to him and his church and to be unifiers and builders and not consumers. I think that should God not return in a 100 years, the story of the church that will be written of the 20th century is a, a church Where people just gradually saw themselves as consumers, as takers, as receivers of benefit, those to benefit from the church, as opposed to those who were unified to build the church. One of the things I understand about the laser is that the laser, the impact of the laser is the intensification of the unify, unity of light. Somebody wrote, From a spiritual perspective, the laser represents the ultimate expression of the impact we can have on the world in need of light. If we are able to understand the stunning power of unity expressed by a laser beam and translated into our own lives, we might have a greater impact on those around us than ever before. We are God's temple. May we be committed to unity because we commit to be builders and not takers. To be givers, not quitters. To be forgivers and not dividers. Heavenly Father, we are your temple. Help us may that just sink in for us today what it means that we are not your temple just as you know some of utilitarian individualist individualistic kind of way, but we are your temple together, and we don't just belong to the universal temple of the church, but just as Paul writes to those Christians in Corinth and tells them to be unified with each other in Corinth, you call each of us to be unified and to be builders of your church. And I pray that those of us who lead and are responsible would make it easy, would do our part to make it easy. And, and Lord, our, our desire is this, that you would come in power, that you would reach more lost people, that more people would be served, that more children would come to know you. Until that day that we see you face to face, that you would be glorified by our church in this place. Through Christ we pray. Amen.